Hello everybody, and Kia Ora. Um, today we will talk uh, about the Australian Road Assessment Program, OSREP, um, and its new direction under Austroads leadership. We have more than 200 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a Communications Officer at Austroads and I will be moderating today's session. First of all, we would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. Uh, today's webinar is delivered under the Road Safety and Design Program, which is managed by uh, Michael Newstick. A little bit of housekeeping. Uh, the duration of today's session is 60 minutes. Uh, the slides today's presentation is based on can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. If you have any technical problems, uh, please use the question section of your sidebar uh, to let us know. But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session by your email registration link usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can find um, Austroads in your podcast app. So our presenters today, Jeff Allen, uh, Austroads Chief Executive Officer, Michael Newstick, Austroads Road Safety and Design Program Manager, Rob McInerney, IREP's uh, Chief Executive Officer, James Bradford, Technical Director, IREP, EuroREP and um, Road Safety Foundation, and John Hardwick, uh, Executive Officer, Executive Director, um, Asset Management from Transport for New South Wales. We will first hear from Jeff Allen and Michael Newstick, who will speak about the transition to the new leadership of OSREP. Then uh, Rob McInerney will talk about IREP uh, Global Partnerships, followed by James Bradford, who will present a EuroREP case study. After that, uh, John Hardwick will share some successful examples of star rating. And Michael Newstick will conclude the presentation outlining the next steps for the Australian Road Assessment Program. So welcome to all our presenters and over to you, Jeff. Here we go. Thank you, Ekaterina. Ausroads is pleased to announce an exciting moment in the OSRAP story. OSRAP is the Australian Road Assessment Program. It helps road managers measure and improve the level of safety on their roads. It also provides a powerful tool to communicate road safety information to the public. OSRAP was introduced to Australia over 20 years ago by state mobility clubs. It's been led by the Australian Automobile Association in cooperation with Ausroads, ARRB and IRAP. This Ausrap partnership has worked together in conjunction with state, territory and local governments on infrastructure safety, investment, optimisation and measurement since 2001. In 2021, the leadership of Ausrap will transition from the AAA to Ausroads. As the lead for Ausrap, Ausroads will partner with the Australian Automobile Association, Roads Australia and the Australasian College of Road Safety, ARB, 
the Australian Local Government Association, the Commonwealth Government and State and Territory Governments to lead this uh, great initiative. So thank you everyone for attending. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Michael Newistig um, from Austroids, and um, yeah, thank you for joining us today. This is, uh, as Jeff said, a, a exciting moment in the Ausrap story, uh, and just wanted to um, yeah, just um, really announce that, let you all know about that, uh, and welcome you to be part of the dialogue. Uh, so, why would Austroids lead Ausrap, and why is it a natural fit? Um, well, Austroids, as you might know, is a, a it's a powerful collaborative mechanism for developing and sharing research and expertise, um, accrediting, um, helping with policy development and providing guidance on multiple aspects of road and transport management for New Zealand and Australia. With increasing recognition, adoption and use globally. The Road Safety and Design Program within Austroads is committed to supporting the Commonwealth, state and territory and local governments to make the transformations that we're going to need so that we can deliver on our ambition to eliminate death and serious injury in road transport. So our safe vision is structured around four elements. Safety toolkits, where we provide guidance and tools that practitioners need so they can deliver safety outcomes. Accreditation, which is about the training and accreditation services that Austroids provides for its members to make best practice the normal practice. Facilitation, collaboration and engagement are at the heart of the Austro's culture. We bring, a, bring together our members, being transport agencies and road authorities, we bring them together with partners so we can collectively solve problems. OSRAP is a perfect example of a mechanism to drive better safety outcomes through collaboration. And expertise must be valued and developed. So Austroids plays an important role in developing and sharing research and expertise. So Ausrap, uh, it's important to Austroids and our members because we know it will play an important role in plotting a path to zero deaths and serious injuries. And really importantly, in helping us communicate road risk information with the public, which is the great strength of the star rating system. In recent years, Australian jurisdictions have been mapping their road network risks and using star ratings to communicate the safety and economic value of investments in road upgrades. Soon we'll hear from John Hardwick, which will be very exciting to understand some, some of the a great activity in transport, the transport for New South Wales are leading. Uh, we'll hear about some of the work they're doing. As you can see from the, the um, the screen here, there are hundreds of thousands of kilometres of state and local roads in Australia that have already been star rated. And we've had 1,600 people, importantly, trained in OSRAP methodologies. So I'm really excited about working with road authorities and our OSRAP partners to build on the existing risk measurement efforts that are happening and to make sure that we're coordinating reporting activity across Australia. The underlying data analysis and reporting that OSRAP will help us with will be influential in supporting the safety transformation of our roads. This will help us communicate to the public and government decision makers in a meaningful way. The star rating concept works as a powerful communication tool and it can help us tell a compelling story in a simple and relevant way, taking the complicated world of safety assessment and bringing it to a new audience. The third big opportunity that we can see 
is being able to use the to expand the uptake of an extensive suite of IRAP safety tools. While Ostros is best known for providing guidance, Ostros is really heavily focused on implementation and our member agencies are asking us to provide services on their behalf. All this makes Ostros a very neat fit for Ostros. I'm really excited about the role that we can play in supporting the adoption and implementation of best practice by road managers around the country. I want to finish here by acknowledging the critical contributions of the AAA and ARB. The AAA introduced OSRAP to Australia and have championed the use and publication of star ratings for two decades. In particular, my thanks to Michael Bradley and Craig Newland. You've passed the baton on to Austros at this point in the, Aus in the OSRAP journey, but you'll still be there uh, working with us to, um, to really capitalise on the opportunities. Also wanted to acknowledge ARB, who have been a key developer of the technical methodologies that sit under the bonnet of OSRAP, and who continue to play a lead role on the global stage through a seat on the IRAP Global Technical Committee, and on the ground, supporting road agencies, local governments, uh, to understand the risks in their network. My thanks to Michael Coltabiano and David McTiernan from ARB, who will continue to be instrumental in the ongoing development of OSRAP. So I'm just going to pause there. I'll see you again at the end of the webinar and now uh, hand over to Rob Matthew. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Michael. And and for, for everyone, I think you can just feel the possibilities there from what Jeff and Michael have provided. One in terms of this amazing foundation that the program already has here in Australia. It is It is one of the best programs in the world and the opportunity going forward to take it to be number one, to be one of those programs that truly unlocks the full potential of safer road infrastructure and speed management to save the lives of all road users, from pedestrians, cyclists, motorcyclists and vehicle occupants. But my job today is to talk to you about the global program and what is happening worldwide with the road assessment program that you are part of. And at the core of it, IRAP is a charity. We're there with a no strings attached provision of these free global tools for the benefit of everyone. But at the core of the success is partnerships. Like all of the partnerships you've just heard about here in Australia, those similar partnerships exist in over 100 countries worldwide with donors like the FIA Foundation, development banks, research agencies, NGOs and others, all with that same shared vision with us for a world free of high risk roads. So you're part of a big family where we're all solving the same problem. And that is the true opportunity of the global IRAP program. And as it translates to you here in Australia. As Michael mentioned, one of the big Opportunities with Ostroad's role in harmonisation of standards of accreditation of suppliers and practitioners across the country is to leverage the global investment in tools to help make this a very simplified process that's still evidence-based and can help drive uh, that investment in safer roads that we know is possible and deserved and will save lives, save money and create jobs. And so the RAP tools really come together at a global level. So very recently, the United Nations launched the second decade plan, 
the, the global plan for the decade of road decade of action for road safety from 2021 to 2030. At the core of the infrastructure part of that is target three for all new roads to be built to a three star or better standard for all road users, uh, just like behind me. And for progressively to bring all of our roads to increase the percent of travel that is also at that three star or better standard. So that is a global uh, KPI that's been adopted by the United Nations and the United Nations Regional Commissions, including Australia. And to support that is, you can see from the, the diagram there, the policy and the KPIs, number one, to set that political and organisational targets. Then we've got the tools and capacity to support that. With those tools like VEDA and others, we can then drive the consistent sort of performance tracking over time, but also the business case for the investment. That then allows us to go to Treasury, to go to uh, to government departments and actually have a very reasoned discussion about how do we mobilise the right level of investment for safer infrastructure, whether that's at a school gate or on a major highway. See these roads get upgraded and importantly celebrated. And then ultimately, and again, you can see where the fit with Ostroads is perfect, bring that back into strengthening the evaluation and evidence base behind all of the models. And so that's happening all across Australia, as you can see, but also all across the world. So just a very quick global tour, given all of us have been trapped at home for, for two years, um, but a quick snapshot of the global IRAP family and what's happening. We have Star Rating for Schools, an app that can be applied outside the school gate, engaging the community. That's already happening in over 43 countries worldwide. We'll hear from James, in a minute about the success with the Department for Transport in the UK that is rolling out the Safer Roads Fund. We've had recent announcements that the Russian government has now adopted the road assessment program as their national approach to road safety. We also have some incredible investment uh, by the Ministry of Transport in China. And this is one of my favourites. They've named a multi-billion dollar investment program, the Highway Safety to Cherish Life program. That's what it's all about and rolling out right across China. Similarly in the USA, the Federal Highways Administration is actually working with USRAP and state DOTs and counties to actually apply the same methodology in those environments. Within Europe, the European Parliament has actually brought in legislation that requires all of the countries to report their higher order roads at least every four to five years. So that sort of star ratings on a continuous basis, but also importantly to connect it to the investment business case and the investment programs. And likewise, the European Investment Bank that invests both in road infrastructure, like 80 billion a year they spend in transport in both within Europe, but also outside of Europe, are actually making those investments uh, conditional on reaching that three star or better global standard for all road users. Then we move into India, uh, which is where the, the world's worst road trauma problem is. 817 people a day die on roads in India. The Indian government and the Australian government have already done some work to, to twin, to share knowledge and expertise between the countries. 
some of your data in Australia has been coded in India. Um, right now we're working with Macquarie Infrastructure on their toll roads in India to bring them to a three star or better standard, but also to bring in star ratings for their road, uh, for their work sites during construction. So you can see how all of this is, is supporting each other, but with the same global language. So we can work across countries very easily. Likewise, another exciting one was TIRAP, which just last week was awarded the International Road Federation Global Road Achievement Award for road safety. Their Department of Rural Roads developed a light star rating model that worked together with their crash data and their road safety auditing. And that work actually happened with the help of Vic Roads, as it was known then, and also Safe System Solutions. So they're global award winners for that partnership in Thailand. In Brazil, some seriously amazing things happening there. National assessments of 60,000 kilometres plus happening at the moment. But incredibly, they, they are bringing in the star ratings into public-private concession tenders, multi-billion dollar investments that are now rolling out across the country with that three-star or better pass mark for road safety performance. In Africa, exciting things from a 10-step approach in Tanzania that's reviewing design standards, building in inner road construction specifications, building the capacity of locals to do their own assessments and ultimately set policy targets and achieve them by 2030. New programs shaping up in Tunisia, Bahrain, Israel, Morocco, Nigeria and others there. And closer to home, Indonesia RAP is about to be launched. It'll be known as Inner RAP and that will be launched very soon. And they're looking at assessments of their whole national network. Vietnam already has a national policy target for three-star or better roads. And just recently, uh, SMEC has actually been helping Samoa and Fiji with Asian Development Bank projects that have specified they must be built and upgraded to that three-star or better global standard. So the one message there is we're all in this together. There is so much potential for us all to save lives. And that's what this is about. And we really ask all of you to, to be in it together because we're all solving the same problem and we all have so much potential to save thousands of lives. And that takes me to the next part, which is innovation. And you'll hear from John Hardwick shortly about some of the great work that Transport for New South Wales is leading with AIRAP, working with uh, UTS and Didi, TomTom, and Transport for New South Wales to actually use LiDAR and, and big data to generate the OSRAP attributes. But we have similar pilots happening in Vietnam, looking at high-risk schools, uh, in Europe, getting ready for the roads that cars can read to support um, connected and autonomous vehicles, in Africa, in low data environments, in Brazil, and a major project with Ashto and TRB in the US that will be looking at the big data AI wrap potential uh, for vulnerable road users in particular, the pedestrian and cycling star ratings. We then have star rating for design. Um, as you can see, we have this global target now for all roads to be three star or better. So for all the design uh, engineers out there, we really have built some tools to make it easy for you to star rate the design. So that even before you've built the road, you know whether it's about to be four or five star, ideally, um, and certainly not one or two star. We can't afford to build any brand new one or two star roads for pedestrians, for cyclists, 
for motorcyclists or vehicle occupants. So you can see from Michael's discussion there about accreditation, making sure we sign that off like a bridge engineer would on a new bridge design. We've also built some of the global methodologies where that can happen very consistently and easily. And ultimately, we're looking to embed the star rating process into Autodesk, AutoCAD, uh, into Bentley and their open road systems. And again, we'd love to have ideas and innovation from Australia really shape that for us. Um, for those of us who've been trapped inside our houses for far too long, we understand the impact of COVID and the increased focus on vulnerable road users. Um, currently, our pedestrian and cycling star ratings haven't been used a lot yet in Australia, but they're being used everywhere else in the world. And we're currently working with the Dutch and a range of global partners to even build on that even further with cycle wrap, which moves past just cycle and vehicle crashes to cyclists and cyclist crashes, to cyclists and pedestrian crashes, and also what the Dutch call a single vehicle bicycle crash, which is basically someone falling off their bike. Um, so that work's happening right now. And when it's ready, it'll be ready for everyone in Australia as part of OSRAP. Likewise, our star rating for schools, as we mentioned, a great way to get the community involved. It builds an appreciation of safety that unites everyone around something no one can argue about, which is our kids deserve a five-star journey to school. So that's some of the innovation partnerships worldwide. And the last one really is to say, how do we systemize this? And we're doing a lot of work on that globally and where this transition to Osroads for the leadership of OSRAP with all the other partners involved becomes so important. Because what we are looking at is ultimately fixing the design standards so that routinely we are building five-star roads for pedestrian, cyclists, motorcyclists, and vehicle occupants. Here's an example from our work with NACTO as part of their Global Designing Cities Initiative. Uh, again, just simplifying this to basic cross-sections. The off-road stereotype work is a great example of that on highways. As I mentioned from Brazil, the financing is really important, and we're very conscious of the great work by TAC in Australia and Insurer who is investing in road upgrades because it makes sense for them as an insurer. The key thing for all of us is road safety doesn't cost money. It has a high return on investment. So we're leveraging that with the World Bank, the International Finance Corporation, European Investment Bank and others to ultimately see a saving lives bond that will be launched globally early next year to go alongside green and climate bonds and financing as part of sustainability financing linked to the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. So super exciting potential to scale investment globally to support all of your work. And one I'd like to point to here in Australia is Transurban Success, where part of their uh, networks here in Australia have reached five-star standards. And what I'd say to each and every one of you is celebrate every one of your upgrades one by one. One by one as you upgrade schools. One by one as you upgrade city streets for pedestrians and cyclists. And one by one as we upgrade our, our major highways and rural highways to three star or better and ultimately five star. That celebration is critical because we're doing something special and we're saving lives. So thank you and I look forward to those opportunities 
that OSRAC can bring and contribute to the world and the lives that it can save here in Australia. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rob. So I'm going to present on behalf of the Road Safety Foundation our experience within Europe here and particularly within the UK. The Road Safety Foundation is a UK registered charity very much focusing on road safety and in particular the safe system and how that works out with here within the UK. We work in partnership with the Department for Transport, with Highways England and with the other uh, local governments in and around the UK. We have a program looking at both crash risk mapping. We've been doing that since 2022, using star rating with the road authorities, and then doing other in innovative initiatives with the Department for Transport, whether that's a roads, um, safer roads fund, or looking at RAF bases and the risk around them. Then on a wider platform, we've actually been doing research looking at how you can improve the RAP models in regard to urban safety countermeasures, how active counter, how active travel can be included and utilised as part of the safe uh, as part of the IRAP systems, and then also how we can innovate in collecting that data used for for RAP systems with things like telematics data. First off, I want to take you through what we've been doing with the crash risk mapping. As I've said, we've been doing it for the last 20 years. We very much do this in partnership with the local authorities and with the Department for Transport, tracking how the crashes are mapped across the roads, uh, looking at where the individual risk is, uh, and likewise the collective risk, and how that's transitioning over time. This report is launched on an annual basis, and where we've been allowed to and haven't had things like COVID get in the way, we've actually launched these results from the House of Lords. And, and that gives you an idea of the level of prominence that they get within the UK. They, they've actually become part of the, the, the annual road safety agenda. So feel free to go and look at our website. So on the RSF website, you'll see the latest report that's on there. Uh, Building back better, or building back safer, more to the point. Likewise, you actually see a, a risk tool, and this gives the ability for the public to go in there and actually explore the risk on their network according to the crash risk mapping. Zooming in on different roads, understanding which roads have improved over time, which roads haven't improved over time. And certainly for us as the Road Safety Foundation, understanding why roads have improved over time is critically important. So we can actually see what's working on the UK network, celebrate those successes and communicate those wider to the public. Within the report this year, what we do is take different themes. So this year, of course, we've looked at the impact of COVID and how we've seen a, a, a big reduction in, in crashes, uh, particularly fatal and serious crashes. But this doesn't actually match the, the, the level of reduction we've had in traffic flow. So certainly that's uh, something to celebrate, but also something that's a warning to say that actually we haven't performed well as, as well as we could have done, and certainly more is needed. And likewise, as the traffic flow goes back up again, 
you know, how is it going to, you know, the, the fatal and serious injury is going to increase. Likewise, tracking those high-risk high roads and the ones that aren't improving over time, so performance tracking those, seeing how they're changing between, over the two, three-year periods to understand what could be done differently and where are the risks coming across on that network. Likewise, splitting that data down into the different countries that we have with here within the UK, looking at how England's performing relative to Scotland and Wales. And here you can actually see that at the moment, England seems to be performing very well compared to Scotland and Wales with more low risk roads and more low to medium risk roads. But when you start looking that over a period of time, you can start to see a slight difference. And so here you can actually see digging that network down into a bit more detail. You can see that most of those crashes are actually happening on those A roads, that second class roads here within the UK. Then when we take that and look at it performing over time, you can actually see that England has had a reduction of about 13%, but it's by far Scotland that's actually having the biggest impact at the moment. And that's having a reduction of about 17% year on year. That's right, over the between the two periods. As this gives us that understanding of who's performing well, but how are they changing over time? And who's accelerating or decelerating with their impact on risk? Then, of course, we can take that a step further. We can look at the actual individual uh, counties here within the UK. And so here you can see a really interesting story coming out. East Midlands having the least impact in terms of improvement in fatal or serious injury reduction. And then you've got the West Midlands down the bottom actually having the biggest improvement. 21% is, is quite impressive. But straight away that asks a question, why is the East Midlands performing not quite as well as the West Midlands? They're right next to each other as the name would imply. And looking at their networks and understanding in detail, how can we do things differently? And so this is where we've taken that data a stage further. And what we've done, we've taken the analysis, we've looked at what could be done on those persistently high risk roads? What's the investment potential on those roads? So we've taken the 10% highest risk roads balanced by region across the UK network. Looking at the treatments that would be appropriate, costing those up, so it's about 1.4 billion uh, to invest in those over a 20 year period. But if you were to invest that, you could avoid 11,000 fatal or serious injuries over that same period of time. But more importantly, what would the societal benefit of that be? Well, we've calculated the benefit cost ratio would be 3.7. So getting 3.7 pounds back for every pound invested. Really important step forward to actually help the governments, the government and local authorities understand where they should be investing and the importance of investing in road safety. In addition to crash risk mapping, We've partnered with the different road authorities, national and local ones here within the UK, to use star rating. So here you can see the map of the national um, highways for England. So that's uh, the Highways England road network. And you can see that they actually do the star rating every five years. 
and they use it very much as a performance tracking tool. In their national road investment strategy, they've actually got a performance metric using star ratings. So their performance target for 2020 was to actually have 90% of travel on three star or better roads. And certainly they're looking at about what should those targets be over the future? Are they, are they measure, meeting them at the moment? And we're expecting those results for the latest 2020 survey to be available reasonably soon. And more importantly, where, where do they want to be going as the future? The other thing that Highways England have done is they've taken that data and actually said, if we reshape it, if we add in extra flow, as that would grow over a five-year period, as we add in all of the investments we're making at the moment in, in improving the roads, what are we going to be hitting in five years' time? Is actually that the right place that we want to be, or do we need to really accelerate the safety ones, uh, safety schemes, and making sure that safety is actually embedded elsewhere in the programme? Likewise, the Welsh Government is about to embark on a large scale survey of all of their strategic roads and of course we've seen work happening within the local authorities yeah. people like kent west sussex actually wanted to inspect all of their uh, large road yeah their major roads and networks understanding where the risks are on their networks and more importantly what they could be do, do, doing differently the other thing, interesting thing we've seen is certainly where we've had the high-speed rail links that are being built between london and Birmingham, places like that, we're seeing ripples onto the road networks and actually investment happening and, and inspections happening off the back of that because of the impact of the work that's happening and the changes. Another place where we've used our, the star rating is in the Safer Road Fund, that Safer Road Project. This is where the Department for Transport used the crash risk mapping to identify the 50 highest risk roads in the UK. They then set aside a ring fence pot of money, 100 million sterling, to actually improve those roads. Really innovatively, they turned around to all the local authorities and said, this 100 million, this isn't a competition. We want to upgrade all of those roads. That is by far a, a, a more than enough money to upgrade all of those roads. And so what we saw is each of the local authorities star rating those relevant 50 roads, 50 high risk roads, doing a safer roads investment plan, looking at what kind of things could they do differently on their network, drawing that safer roads investment plan, taking it to the next level and saying, okay, so this is a really good wayfinder of what we could do differently on our network, but actually what is it that we really want to do? But, you know, how is that going to push us forward and do something innovative rather than just building back very, very similar stuff as we had before uh, and improving things just like the lines and signs. Refining those investment plans and then eventually building up a what we refer to as a user-defined investment plan to invest on their network. And so these are some of the high level figures you can see that over a 20 year period with those investment plans that they've actually constructed and pulled together, 1,450 fatal or serious injuries could be avoided. Return ratio of about 4 to 1, 4.4 uh, to 1. So absolutely phenomenal return ratios. And this has more recently been actually awarded as Prince Michael Road Safety Award to recognise the innovative work it's been doing, both in terms of 
increasing road safety and addressing it, but also the, the partnerships that have been happening between the Department of Transport Road Safety Foundation and the RAC Foundation through this project. The key underlying bits of this project, as you'll be aware, was this standard star rating, yeah, collecting that data, uh, analysing it within VIDA to generate an investment plan. The next step of this, where it was a bit innovative, was taking that investment plan and actually customising it, going, OK, I don't think I could build that there because there's not the land room to potentially build a safety barrier. What else could I build differently? Customising it to, define, to develop a user-defined investment plan. Then re-uploading that to VIDA generating the new countermeasures and the new uh, costs and stuff like that. And ultimately building up that road design and changing the roads so they are safe. And so this is where as Road Safety Foundation, in partnership with Highways England, we've been reinvesting in the IRAP tools, certainly in the, in the first instance here in the UK to actually provide us with local tools and this is one of the things we work on at the moment, the route review tool, to actually support the local authorities and the other road authorities within the UK, understand where the risk is on their network, but take it to the next stage, review those different countermeasures that are coming up, select the ones that are definitely appropriate, and unselect ones where they can actually potentially pick something better that could flow in with some other works and schemes that they're doing. And then rerunning that data, and so ultimately, our vision is to actually make this available to the wider IRAP program. And that's where we can actually see ourselves helping contribute to the sort of global road safety um, performance and actually having a, a partnership impact on a much larger scale. Next piece of research we've been doing is looking at telematics data. On the left here, you can actually see how the speed would vary on our traditional way of approaching it in the UK, where actually we only know, if we're lucky, one speed sample on a long stretch of road, maybe two in the extreme cases. And so we have to build these general relationships across the speeds. So you can see that as the uh, speed limit drops the orange line in this diagram, the 85th percentile is, is sticking in very specific relationships to it. So what we've been doing is working with a, a company called The Flu, who've got immense telematics data sourced from a, from a lot of different um, places, a big sample of vehicles. And you can actually see that how they operating speeds, both the grey line on the right hand side here and the yellow line, are actually varying quite distinctly in and amongst those different speed limits, where at the beginning here, you can see they're coming off a roundabout and actually going nowhere near the speed limit. Um, and so this is actually helping us understand where that risk is on the network. More importantly, refining those fatal or serious injuries to then build a much, much more accurate picture on the safer road investment plans so that it help target where those countermeasures can be built and what the economics are associated with them. And then finally, zooming out to a much bigger level. So I, I've presented you just a little snapshot of what's happening here in the UK. Certainly across Europe, you can see a lot more is happening. We've got programs happening across Spain and Portugal with the national highways networks being collected. And this is by, by means not all the star ratings that are available. These are just a, a, 
a snapshot of what I've been allowed to share. Likewise, you can see the provincial networks within the Netherlands up the, up the top of the map being completely collected. And of course, phenomenal things being done on Eastern Europe, yeah, across to Moldova and Ukraine, all the way down to, to Greece and even Crete right there at the bottom. Thank you very much for your time. I'll pass you over to John Harper. Thanks, James, and thanks, Rob. I think it's really important for us to, to really focus on um, celebrating what we are doing in this area. And it's, it's critical for us to understand what are the ways in which we can implement this in the different parts of our jurisdictions. And importantly, looking at it from a, an outcome to a customer perspective, but connecting it through to really what are our assets and what are we trying to do with our road network. So if we look at what we've done in New South Wales, the star rating we've used, if we look at our current position on the lengths of road, and you'll see there on the left of the state road network, there's about 18,000 kilometres. And you know, I suppose one of the key takeouts for everybody when we first saw this information was the amount of roads that were at a, either a one or a two star rating or we didn't have even have a rating for and how few of the roads were actually in a five star rating mode. So it really gave us what I call one new lens to look through when we're deciding which roads should we do work to and where to prioritise our funding from our safer roads programs and when we're building new roads, what we should be looking at when we do that. And it, when you look at you know, basically 40% of our roads are sitting at a two-star rating and, and you know, over 50% above two-star or below, it starts to give you the context around, okay, what is it we can do to improve the performance? It's important when you look at the state road network, you then overlay the usage patterns of those roads, the safety performance over time and the trends of that performance, but it gives two lenses then. One is the lens of, so we need to do something. The second lens is, so which level of rating should we be going to to get the best possible customer outcome, but make sure our money is being spent to get the best outcome across the whole state road network. So for me, understanding that as a holistic picture and then looking at it in the terms of a customer outcome, how do we do that? And I've found it's been a really good way for us to get a conversation happening between designers, safety experts, people who are looking at new projects, because every new project is, is done by a different designer or a different group of people delivering it. So it's really important to, to start getting some of the standardised outcomes in some of these areas to deliver the better outcomes across our road network. So if I look at a couple of just simple examples, and if we just take the Hume Highway to Mildura, a 600 um, kilometre length of road, we're looking at the safety treatments. Interestingly, it's not just one treatment, the different parts of the topography and the different ways in which this road moves through our network. It's important first to understand what are the current ratings. And you'll notice they're flipped on this screen compared to the other one, the one stars at the bottom. Um, but when you look at where we are in the current environment, a large percentage, again, you know, more than 50%, is still sitting down around the two star and below. So what do we need to do to fix that? And, and really, 
the treatments, the wide center line, the roadside flexible safety barriers, the audio tactile marking for the whole length to make sure we've actually got that um, warning sign for drivers around whether they're moving out of their lane, clear zone improvements, edge drop repairs, and signage and deline delineation, and really some of the rural gateway treatments. What I'm trying to highlight with this is not a one size fits all, it's taking all of that different information, looking at the star ratings and looking at which treatments are gonna give us the best outcome for the value for money. And we are trying to move as much of our network as possible to three stars or better. But this section of road, before and after the treatment, the after treatment, as you can see, moving to a three star of 70% is a massive improvement in the money we're spending on this road network. And we're now measuring and looking at the savings in lives and, and fatal, fatal accidents. But also, um, in a lot of cases, we've not seen as big an improvement in the trends of significant injuries as well. So what are we doing within these treatments to make sure we're also having a major impact on the significant injuries? And I think starting to look at both of those is critical when you get to star ratings because I believe the star rating, the higher the star rating, the less probability there is for significant injury as well as fatalities. And I think getting that mix right helps us understand what we're doing. So this is an intervention on an existing road as a safety project in its own right. And I think that is one lens we can look through when we look at these types of projects. If I, if I now look through it through a different lens in the Princess Highway corridor upgrade. So the government announced it was going to do some major rebuilds of the Princess Highway, you know, over a 480 kilometre stretch of road down to the Victorian border. And when you look at it, it's a capital project. So how do we make sure in a capital project sense, we connect the capital project design teams and the teams planning that work through into the star ratings and looking at, so before the work, how is it performing and the safety outcomes and then doing the analysis around, well, which star ratings are potentially going to give us the best customer outcome for safety within the funding envelopes available and whether there's any other funding opportunities to do that. So if you look at this road as a whole and you look at the one and two star areas, again, it's quite a high number of percentage of those kilometres are sitting in that two star and, and below. And for the volume of traffic that traverse this road up and down the coast of New South Wales, it's really important for us to see what we could do to achieve a significant um, outcome. And because it's a capital investment road with the opportunity to build new stretches and new sections of road, we then can actually make a big improvement on the star rating even more than we do on what I call a very much a brownfield site engagement. So you can see here that we're, we're looking at over 12% of the road is going to end up being five star and nearly 60% is four star. So we are significantly through a capital project transitioning to what James was talking about in the UK, this whole road will transition to three star or better, the whole length of it as part of the outcome of a capital project that has also integrated within it 
the right balance of star ratings for the roads and the, the volumes of users and the, and the topography of those areas. So it really is a good example of where you can actually connect your safety experts, your internal working teams with the designers and the people looking at a new project. So one of the celebrations in this is you look at the safe systems planning and design principles. If you look at the OSRAP component of this and you look at the design of the road, really the safety principles within this where possible, we've gone for four and five star if it's viable within the environments in which the road is being built, because not all of it will be new road. But also then making sure that we're starting to get a common outcome across the full length. So the safe systems planning people and the designers have come together to really get what I'd call a, a balanced outcome across this, but a massive improvement in what we expect to see in the safety of this road as it nears its completion in many years' time. Remembering we're going to be doing this over a long period of time, and as we go through the process, some of those safe systems may even move from three to four star as we go about getting the initial design activity and pricing of the project, connecting the safe systems into the overall design of the project and getting that connection is really, really important for us. So this is just an example. This is the Princess Highway um, Program Director really having a positive statement and also the, the lead project developer, really realising how valuable it's been to them for the, the road safety people to be connected into them right at the front end of a capital project. And if I can highlight this, it's a really important component for us. How do we make sure the star rating and the um, safety treatments of all capital projects, as well as our brownfield works, are actually making sure we've got the right balance to get that towards zero safety outcome for all, all road users. And I think this is, this is really helping us enormously. And historically within transport, um, you know, if, I, if we can say this in, in freeways and highways that have been built in the past, when money became short, sometimes they scrimped on some of the safety interventions as a first place to get some of those savings. We're also starting to change the culture and the thinking of people in these capital projects area that actually safety is front and centre and it's a must have within every capital project that we build. So finally, really there's this Okay, we've got the 18,000 kilometres star rating for the state controlled network. We've then also got the star rating assessments that is underway now for the regional road network, which is already in place. So you think about once we get to the regional roads, we're going to potentially find that they'll even have lower star ratings, but we'll start to look at the safety impacts of that and the outcomes that we're getting as part of that work. And I think we're going to see so really important information flowing back to us from those 19,000 kilometres. And, and I think that's going to help us enormously as we go. If I just get to the AI wrap as a, as a last point, um, this new project which leverages the ready available commercial open source data, we're starting to, as Rob talked about earlier, starting to leverage all of the open data sources and some of the machine learning to give us information about our network. And really we're doing that proof of concept at the moment 
to deliver the data specifications, compliance and quality assurance processes. One, to prove the methodologies of the private framework, but also the confidence for the, the, the AI wrap data generated in New South Wales. So we're not just stopping with the OSRAP component, we're really now starting to look at how we can leverage this. And as we get into local governments and the local areas, how can we help them do what I'm seeing from what I saw, what you saw with the, the UK and the European example, how do we get this embedded into all of the road design activity as we move further? So that AI wrap, we will have a final report for some time mid next year to, to deliver that outcome. So in summary for me, there's some great success, but it is actually a connection. How do we connect the designers, the safety experts, the funding envelopes to get the best possible safety outcome by using of the OSRAP tools to help us get there. So with that, I'll hand back over to Michael. Thank you, John. Um, thanks to all our speakers today. Uh, I've just got to quickly share with you the next steps. Um, so step one is really to set up a, a new governance model. So we, we saw at the start of the presentation from Jeff, new partners coming on board. So it's really about setting ourselves up so that we all work together. And really the key the key role for Ostros here is to play the coordination function. So we can see the road agencies and Transport for New South Wales setting a great example there. Uh, we can see the road agencies are really pushing ahead um, you know, with the support of the, um, the, the, the motor, motor, motoring clubs like the, and, the, and under the AAA banner. Uh, and then with the technical support of ARB um, and then additional support from Rose Australia and the, and the College of Road Safety. We've really, really great team. Uh, and we're also starting from a great place in terms of our technical capacity here in Australia. There's hundreds of thousands of kilometres of roads already star rated. There's a lot of good activity happening. So for me, the job for um, us here is to capitalise on that work, to build momentum for maximum effect. So that's really a coordination effort. Uh, and I look forward to working with our partners to develop a new business plan so we can articulate how we might do just that. All right, well, thank you to all of our presenters for sharing with us. Um, I take plenty of encouragement um, from the work we've seen today uh, and you know, really look forward to applying good discipline and good reporting practice that will support our vision for Road for the Free of Death and Serious Injury. Uh, so thank you from, from Ostros. I'll hand you back now to Ekaterina for some final words, but thank you all for your attention today. Um, thank you very much, Michael, and uh, thanks to all our presenters. Um, so before we wrap up the session today, uh, just a few words about our future webinars that we invite you to attend. Um, so following on from today's session, on the 25th of November, ITE ANZ will host a free online seminar focused on practical aspects of um, OSREP uh, star ratings in policy, road investment and uh, safety auditing. So please use the link provided in the uh, slide to register for the session.
And speaking of Austro's future webinars, we have four sessions scheduled in December. Uh, the session on the 2nd of November will uh, focus on the guidance on rationalizing road signs to divert overheight and dangerous goods vehicles from tunnels. Um, on the 9th of December, we will present a data provision framework that can be used by road agencies to build capability in providing data to connected and automated vehicles. Um, and the webinars on the 14th and the 16th of December will be the final sessions for this year. Uh, and we will talk about uh, groundbreaking work that we have recently published that enables the testing um, of emissions and the release of microplastics from asphalt that incorporates recycled plastics. So for more information um, about all, uh, all the sessions and to register, uh, visit our website, or you can also sign up to our monthly newsletter to receive um, alerts. And as usual, after we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback and uh, let us know what you liked or didn't like. It really helps us um, to shape our future webinar program. Um, and once again, today's session is being recorded and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published um, on our website. So thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe and we will see you next time.